Welcome back to the Kingsway Podcast. Welcome. Glad you are here. Very glad. Ryan, this is uh, season three, episode two. Yes. Uh, we were thinking about doing two episodes in one podcast, and then this episode got deep. Yeah. I've fought uh, two episodes in one podcast like a zealot. Um, that's a stupid <laughs> joke. Uh, I, I, you said that about halfway through, and I was like, yeah, we probably could. And then they got to the whole scene with the sending out two by two, and I was like, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> Those it. dreams are crushed. Thanks, so, Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you don't know, we're walking through the chosen episodes, kind of doing a little spoilers, a little talk through. The, the reason we do this, mainly because we're Bible nerds, and we just invite you into the conversation. Some of you um, I know are watching through. Uh, they, I think the season finale just happened this last week. I think seven episodes. We're now an episode, like I said, this is two. Yes. Super excited about it. Um, yeah, so if you're watching, man, I hope you're uh, I hope you're enjoying this uh, as much as I am. Just the depiction and stuff. I felt like uh, this season has even gotten a little bit more. Um, I would say, uh, kind of like adventurous and like they're going yeah. into. They're kind of taking chances with like the topics and the things that yeah. they're discussing, and then obviously some of the things that Jesus is starting to unveil to his followers. It's just really. Yeah, really cool stuff, and then the depth of the Roman side of things, and yeah. like they're taking some kind of liberties, but also I think fully inside of what they would see as Roman history. Yeah, I think that that they are not just quoting scripture, and we've known that since near the beginning. They're not just quoting the gospels, but they have enough like scholarly backup that they can make a lot of assumptions. So they don't. They're claiming that like Simon the Zealot is going to be chased around by other zealots. And as we know, at least from the show, and maybe if you've ever studied the history of this, zealots are like dagger assassins. Yeah. Uh, trying to, like, disturb the peace that Rome thinks they have. Uh, think guerrilla warfare, Vietnam. Like, yeah. dagger assassins trying to upset the status quo. That's one of Jesus' apostles. We know that the guy's name is Simon the Zealot, so we know he was a dagger assassin. They're taking a chance by saying that, oh, now other zealots who aren't reformed like this guy are coming into town and might be chasing him down and might be trying to disturb the peace because Jesus is here. That's not something we know did happen, but that's something we know could have happened because yeah. it was happening yeah, I was in general. Say, it was happening in yeah. general, and it could have happened with him. And that's I, a lot of the decisions they're making. It's like yeah. as, as somebody who's dug into this kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, that totally could have happened. Well, and it makes it, it, was it makes it feel just like uh, like we keep saying, like 3D flesh. Like yeah. it, it just gives it depth. And I think what it really does too is it does a good job of of kind of uh, helping you understand like what Jesus is doing when he's holding these twelve apostles, these twelve disciples, yeah. in this like close friendship. And the tensions aren't just with what he's saying. But it's also between yeah. each other, and like yeah. they each have these like dynamic, you know, friendships slash like kind of like awkwardness or like quirkiness or like even a little bit like like uh, not really socially accepted, you know, and yeah. the, the thought process behind like just being annoyed sometimes that they're around. Um, it's crazy how this yeah. episode does a good job of showing that. Where yeah. It's like you know, Peter comes home to his wife. He wants to be alone. There's too many of his friends around. They won't leave him alone. Yeah. The brothers go home to their parents. They want to see and get this special food that she makes, and it's not quite ready. And they're kind of annoyed. And then other people are kind of showing up and maybe wanting some of the food too. And yeah, 
I it, it and then the the women are like forced to stay in this like teeny little spot, and you can tell yeah. all of them are not used to not having their own privacy and space. You know, that's like yeah. the first half of this episode where it's just basically like talking about the logistics of just what it would have been like. Yeah. To be traveling and then coming back with. And even Jesus. on the logistic concern, I love that this is right after the Sermon on the Mount. There were a lot of logistic concerns. And that's what led to the feeding of the 5,000 is yep. how are we going to feed all these people who came out to hear you preach? Uh, and Jesus is like, don't worry. I know multiplication and, uh, and does it. <laughs> Yeah. I did my times tables in the f- second grade or whatever. I know food squared equals 12 yeah. baskets left <laughs> yeah. over. Uh, sorry. Yep, we're bad at math, uh, Bible <laughs> college. Um, but yeah, it's like you watch this logistic thing. And I've heard people talk about the the feeding of the 5,000 as like, yeah, it was a great miracle. Yeah, it facilitated people sitting there and being being treated well while listening to a sermon, not being forgotten. But for the people who thought, okay, Jesus is gearing up this whole time to go kill the Romans, all of them, and defeat them and conquer them and make them our slaves oh, yeah. and our captives, I whatever. I talking about this before. That's a tactical advantage to just produce food out of Take nowhere. Take care of your army no matter what. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why, like, a lot of ancient armies pillaged and whatever, not just because they're evil, but also because they have no food. Yep. They aren't just bringing enough food with them for the whole journey on foot. They got to find their food. They got to pick grain. They got to kill animals. They got to whatever. So if you can just multiply food and it takes no time, no effort, no luck, you can do anything. You're unstoppable. Well, and it it really starts to become kind of like it almost had like uh, three or four movements because what this what this season is kind of doing is it's kind of branching out. Whereas before Jesus seemed like the main this is going to sound bad, but Jesus seemed like the main thread that all the other characters are interacting with. This more feels like you're starting to watch the people that have interacted with Jesus now branch off into their own stories. And he's also finally delegating. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, Jesus is still at the center of the story, but you're, like, watching this uh, ex-guard that used to watch over Matthew. um, What is it? Uh, Jairus? No. uh, Gaius. Gaius. Who's like starting? Like, I love how you said backslide, and I was like, no, he's forward sliding. Front sliding. He's front <laughs> sliding right into Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and then you got this like Roman assassin that's like hunting down these zealots. Yeah. That's like curious and like has watched certain yeah. things, and he wants to know what's going but on. But curious like a hungry wolf, mm-hmm. not curious like, oh, is Jesus actually somebody who's trying be my to decide if he's a f- if he's a threat? Like, so, so he's trying to. Decide. It's tough because maybe his facial expressions show a little like actual consideration, but every word out of his mouth is feels either dangerous. feels either deceptive towards mm-hmm. Jesus followers and stuff like that, or conniving and sharp and bloodthirsty to Romans and whatever. He feels like the guy that just stabbed you in the back if you got yeah. if he could get an advantage yeah. out of it. And he, when he was like, what was in the sermon? And he was like, uh you should always read right to left and uh don't do this with your sheep something or something. About horns. some Jewish stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so he wasn't listening at all or he's, he's lying. lying. Yep. But I bet he just like had preconceived notions about what was going on and just like wasn't oh, paying attention it. for specifics. I loved it. I love it so much because it's like Gaius and then him have such the opposite response to that sermon. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing. But let's talk about Let's talk about the two things that I think were probably the, the my favorite moments yeah. in this episode. Maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. But the first was the the kind of restoration of Matthew and his family. Yeah, with his family. That was kind of, uh, we, we kind of got a, a glimpse of that at the very end of episode one, kind of like a cliffhanger. Yeah. 
And man, just a brutal way to start the episode where yeah. you're watching this this broken man in Matthew come home to a parent or a father and a, and a mother that basically said, you're dead to us. Disowned him. And, and what makes it even worse, and maybe you can speak into this more than I can, is that on top of them saying, I have no son, mm-hmm. which metaphorically means we don't want to be associated with you. Matthew in the show is portrayed as having some some form of autism or Aut- something it's where like Asperger's autism it's yes, on the spectrum of something somewhere yeah. there where what's specifically going on with him is he's a numbers guy is more about like black and white things and he has a hard time understanding metaphors so the whole two first seasons he's being taught well whenever he joins Jesus posse that's mm-hmm. a weird way to say apostles nah uh, posse. whenever he joins Jesus posse Jesus teaches in a lot of parables and things like that and he gives a lot of patience to matthew and spends a lot of time like working with matthew on like how to understand metaphors and just like giving him grace and whatever so probably for him when his father said i have no son he took that black and white and doesn't totally understand metaphors yet so it's like it's there's a lot more I don't know how to say this in any other way. This is just what's coming to my mind. There's a lot more black and white. There's a lot of like what infants have with object permanence. Oh, yeah. And the real fear that your parent is gone because they're covering up their face. But the real fear that like your parents can't see you anymore or have chosen that you don't exist. Maybe that's metaphorically true, mm-hmm. but that's probably deeper because... He doesn't oh, yeah. understand. Well, and then the Sermon on the Mount is what finally cracks the cracks this thing wide open for Matthew yeah. because it's not an analogy anymore. He's yeah. like, if you're going to whatever, if you're gonna go give a sacrifice to the temple and you have a brother that you've, you know, yeah. he's like, drop it right there and go. To him, he heard that exactly as how a Jesus command. <laughs> he's now, like, <laughs> now it's not a metaphor for Matthew in that moment. Nope. Although the people are metaphorical. Yep. So instead, of he you watch him say, like, I know it's supposed to be the priest doing the sacrifice, <laughs> and you're not my brother, you're my, you were my parents, but I think it's still, it's like, still, it's so still it's like, <clears throat> he's still having to do a little little calculus to figure well, out. Well, his dad and mom navigate yeah. his, that conversation so well, and yeah. having a son in the same way, I can just see that they're not, they're not anxious with him or or upset with him. They're trying to help him process and like yeah. move through the conversation and and also make him feel heard and understood because he, he feels like yeah. he has to over-explain himself because he thinks so differently, but they're so comfortable with him. They're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know we get we, we get it, we get it Matthew. Yeah. It's okay. And he's like, and he, you can see him moving on and moving faster and faster. Yeah. And I love that you made me rewind it, but he yes. has this little security cloth. Yeah, that he holds on it's to like the whole time. Every like, kid who has like a teddy bear that they won't leave anywhere without. But for him, it's this like anxiety since tool. One. Since season since one, since season one, he's doing all these taxes, and every time he thinks, but like toils thinking, so like anxiety. But it could just be thinking about numbers, calculating. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of times, like scared, anxious, toiling, like a finger whatever. spinner, like like yeah, anything, like, like any like, fidget tool. He has his cloth. He puts it in his closed fist and just like squeezes it. And he runs it like through this, his hand. He runs it yeah. through his hand and he squeezes it again. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you watch him in this anxiety moment. He's been in the anxiety of having kind of abandoned his family and his family disowning him and all this stuff. It's being resolved. And then you watch him, his mom, hug him. And he has his anxiety cloth kind of towel napkin thing in his left hand and he hugs her with his right and then uh but she's hugging him with both hands and you watch him open his hand and let go of that little that little handkerchief thing 
and then reach around and hug her with the other hand too. And the dad and watches it. Yeah. It's this moment where he's letting go of the anxiety of, of the stalemate, mm-hmm. the like cold war between him and his parents in which he feels like the only loser. Yep. And he's like finally letting that go. And, and I loved it. And yeah. then his explanation too, of like why he chose to be a tax collector. He's like, yeah. hey, I, I saw it as like making my life better, but I didn't realize it cost you your jobs and your reputation. And I didn't realize it cost you your status and all this. And, and now I see it as I was being selfish. Yeah. I thought I was just crunching the numbers, but I see now I was being selfish Yeah, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. And then I love that he's like trying to do the numbers in his head where he's like, Oh, I got to make this up to you. And the dad's like, sit down. You're not the only one that has to make penance. And then his yeah. dad apologizes to him in the yeah. sense of like he everything you did was real, and I still shouldn't have done what I did. Yep, and it, it yeah it was yeah. just such a cool yeah. moment where they all hugged, and the mom's just in the middle playing this like loving her son, but trying to understand that that this needs to happen for her son to grow, and she's trying yeah. to recognize half participant, exactly. half referee. It's it was just a beautiful scene, and that that t- yeah. like set the episode up in such a really cool way because you're like, gosh. And I literally leaned over you and said, this is what Jesus does. He restores yeah. families. Yeah. And that's the first thing the Sermon on the Mount did was restore a family. Yeah. And it's such a cool concept. But let's jump to the thing that really, like, the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Jesus calls all the disciples together, and he's basically like, I got a mission for you. It's not quite Noah, but it's two by two. Yeah. And y'all are going to go out. And how well done... Was that was that so scene. well done. I the moment he did that, I looked up like where those passages are in the gospels. Mm-hmm. It's Matthew 10 1, Luke 6, 12 through 13, and Mark 6, 7 through 13, and then kind of again in 9, 10 through it 9 1 through something. Anyway, all these passages. Amazing. It was such a good scene. You could see the confusion and the scare scaredness on well, their they faces, asked him, like, the fear. It? Like, I mean, repeat just... this part. And he like went back and repeated it word for word, which like makes the Bible literalists happy. That sounds like I'm not that, mm-hmm. but like, I, I just mean like, it's great. The people who are worried about like, why aren't you just saying what the Bible says? Like you just went back and did it again. Did it, did it again. Uh, but then you watch him pair them up. And I was trying to go back and see, do any of these passages pair the disciples up specifically by name? And I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't looked that up. I wouldn't know. I don't think so. Um, but it was cool to watch Jesus, at least in the show, pair up very specific pairs. Um, so like pairing up Simon Peter and Judas, really unique pair. Yep. As as if you were here at Kingsway, I almost said 20 years ago. I mean, two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, when we were doing our, f- our sermon series on Peter mm-hmm. in the Gospels, and then that led into our study of First Peter uh, in uh, 2021. Yes. We talked about how both Peter and Judas denied Jesus. Yep. But Judas, full of despair, r- resorted to killing himself. Yeah, gave after in, the gave Jesus into event. the despair and, and did not seek redemption. Peter was struck hard with his own grief, but just held out for a few days and Jesus, maybe it was longer, I don't remember. But then Jesus came back to him on the shore and they have this whole reunion moment and that's where the, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do love you. Then feed my sheep three times back and forth happened. So he paired together the two guys who are going to betray him the hardest. Yep. 
who had very different responses. He paired up uh, Big James and Little James and made a joke about how that'll be really funny and humor disarms people. Whatever. I was oh like, my that's gosh, great. such cool. And that but, thought of the strongest and the weakest being put yes, together. Yes, that's the other thing is that later in the episode, Little James, who has this limp, I don't know if that's scriptural, like if that's, it's not unscriptural, anti-scriptural. It's yeah. not like that couldn't have happened. I believe there's something in some of the uh, Apocrypha or like some of the, okay. other, like there's a mention to it. So like okay. it has some legitimacy, but it may not be biblical legitimacy. It may that, not be biblical, literally biblical with the canon of 66 books yeah. that we have. Yes. People who are not Catholics or Eastern Orthodox, yes. a lot of other Orthodox, whatever. Um, but it totally could have happened. So they pair the the strongest, Big James, who's like super strong, big, tall, great, and little James, who's like a singer with a hurt foot, mm-hmm. and um, well, and I will say, like to give pause, like that was the one thing out of the entire this entire episode, and one of the that I I struggled to understand exactly why Jesus was doing that. I got yeah. it, but I was like, ooh, that is tricky where it's yeah. like because basically he came and he's like so i'm going to be able to heal anyone little james with a limb yeah. and he's like why haven't you healed me and they went yeah. into this whole theological discussion on like why and we can go back to yeah. that but that was like probably the one thing but him sending the 12 out i loved how it literally went around like they asked all the questions like yeah whereas before i feel like in the seasons before they'd have just been like Okay, and then like on the road as they're leaving, they're like what talking do you think in meant? between yeah, each other. Yeah, like, do you really think we're gonna do this or whatever? And now this time they're like, wait, we don't, we won't have that chance because he's not gonna be yeah. there. So they're all like, yeah. what if we die? And he's like, that was a cool yeah. moment <laughs> where where it was weird because Jesus. It seems like to them, Jesus strung them along. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna die? And he was like, for minutes, was like. A time is coming where this will be very hard <laughs> and the persecution will be real. It'll be every day. It'll be whatever. But you'll be fine on this one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Well, and the, the ending of that was so yeah. good. There's like persecution and he's like, but I will never ask you to do anything that I do not do. And you will yeah. have to follow in my footsteps and I will show you what it means to yeah. give up your life. Yeah. And I remember, and then he's like, but on this trip, you're fine. And yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, thanks for answering your question. <laughs> In the most most scary way ever. Yeah. (laughs) Morbid way possible. Oh, my gosh. It was terrifying the way he answered it. But it was cool because it was like all the times that Jesus alluded to his future death. This one was so veiled. It just and also it. veiling their so, their own suffering in the future and yeah. whatever, but yeah, it was that part was cool. It felt like the fourth parallel was broken though, where like fourth he's wall. like like the fourth yeah. wall where he's like he's like, will we die? And he just like wants to look over at you and be like, <laughs> he w- no, look over at the camera, make the sign of the cross, <laughs> and then just move on. <laughs> like I was just like, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted him to be like, yeah, yeah. But not today. Like, you know, but like yeah. it was almost that feeling. Yeah. It was. But then I love at the very end, like you could start to see their confidence growing and they weren't thinking about the fear as much as they were starting to think. So like, wait, we get to heal and cast out demons. Yeah. And then their last thing is like, wait, but we got to preach. What do we say? And yeah. they're like, and there was Nathaniel was like, he's like, uh, Judas is like, I've only heard one sermon. And Nathaniel's like, it was the best one. And, and Jesus then, is like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, I mean, they're all good. Yeah. Like, oh gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It was all those were like really good. But I like that they were like, what do we preach? Because you could very timidly say, I heal you. 
And then maybe it happens. <laughs> you know, but you can't say, I preach you, and then uh, the sermon happens. Uh, sermon happens, like, exactly. Like, you got to start saying some words. And then maybe, like, God gives you the words. But, like, usually you aren't just, like, with a blank mind, open your mouth and start saying it. So I get how that would be, like, well, man, scary, you see that at the very end where terrifying. Peter's like, Nathaniel, or uh, Nathan, you've done this before. like Or Philip. Philip what have you yeah. done this before? And he's like, yeah, preached a couple times. Not like I feel this. like this is yeah. Not like this though. I feel like this is pretty yeah. different. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I think my favorite part of that whole two by two thing, which there were so many good parts. Everything we mentioned already. Oh, it's, my it really favorite is part watch. is a thing about the disciples I've never thought about before a day in my life, which is why Matthew was not the like disciples treasurer. Yeah, never thought about it. Never put together that he's the, the money, money guy. guy. Yep, and he's like. I don't want to keep money. I've noticed He's literally spent the whole past two episodes trying to get rid of his possessions, his house, all this stuff because he's so ashamed and yeah, just ashamed of the life he spent. And I think it saw the grip it had on him. And he's like, I have no desire to put myself back underneath yeah. that grip of that. Yeah. And I think it, I think he feels it more of like that had a hold of my heart for so long. I have no desire to give that any foothold. Yeah. You know, kind of like an alcoholic, like, hey, do you want to hold on to the, you know, and he's like, no, I don't even want to touch it. Like, I have no yeah. desire to be even around it as much as possible. And maybe, you know, obviously he's got some skills that they'll use, but I think he saw that as a temptation for control yeah. and a lack of faith. Yeah. Whereas it's crazy that he's like, Judas can do it. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, no! No, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> You're like no, no, he'll no, have no, money. No. He'll have thirty pieces of silver later. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, that brings me to that last thing about uh, little James. Yeah. As far as I could tell, and maybe you need to help me understand this, but as far as I could tell, Jesus basically gave him the whole like Jesus gives his hardest battles to his toughest soldiers, like speech. Yeah. And I, I just. I know what what the intention was to basically give homage that that you do not have to be healed to walk in full faith of Christ. You don't yeah. have to be fully healed to have full faith in Christ. And some people need to be healed in order to have faith. Some people need their hearts to be healed in order to be able to believe. But you will be an example of someone that doesn't need that to have full faith. Yeah, even and though he asked for it. Even though he's asked for it. Which seems like he needs that to have full faith. And Jesus reassures him, you know, and he basically says, yeah. like, he quotes Isaiah, like, you're going to jump like a deer, and he, like, makes him yeah. cry, and then he's like, and just so you know, you will be healed. You just need to hold on a little longer. Um, did you have any thought? Like, what were you yes. thinking in that? What are you thinking? What hit me so strong was we've already talked about Big James and Little James, especially how they're portrayed here. And doesn't this seem exactly like uh, Samuel looking through the sons of Jesse for a king. Yeah. Where there's the big six, seven foot tall Saul lookalikes. Yep. Where you're like, uh, Saul isn't working out, but somebody just like him would be great. Tall, yeah. strong, powerful. And that's who big James is. Probably like six, two, six, four looking in this show. Looks so tall. Yeah. Maybe everybody else is five, eight. And his and nose is like four inches. Yeah. Too, so he's, he's a big old dude. Mm -hmm. uh, very capable. The fact that little James is also called to equally the same thing and Jesus trusts him a lot is crazy. But that's also the same as David, who was the shortest among his brothers, maybe because he was really young. 
Yeah. And his youngness is a is a thing that would normally disqualify him and humanize. But James is a full-grown adult who's still short, who's still weak, little little chubby, yeah. and he has a limp. Yep. So like it seems uh I mean, it, is it like the meek inherit the earth? I mean, are we talking like some oh, yeah. amount stuff? Like this I is mean my this is why I'm in love with first and second Corinthians as books. On top of all the R-rated weird crap that goes mm-hmm. on in them. And there's a lot. There's so much. There is. Probably 10 solid things I could point out that are in 16 chapters. They're like, this is freaking weird. It is. Baptism of the dead. We have secret knowledge from God. Um, and We're marrying much our dads, more. wives, sisters, or whatever yeah. it is. And uh, women need to wear head coverings. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? And like all this stuff that when we read it as the American church today, we're like, I yeah, you gotta, and, and Corinth, Corinth would have made Las Vegas blush. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that's the reason I like Corinthians. He's fighting against, ah, uh, not fighting. That's not true. Uh, Paul is a missionary. He's an apostle. He has authority spiritually. He's like in the discipleship chain pipeline. Yeah. He's at, at the root. He is the stump or the root of the tree that's going to blossom into the churches in those areas. And they love power, prestige, entertainment, like like production value, showiness. Yep. They are people who are like used to following prosperity preacher. That's like who they are. They're looking for the flashy, yeah. the big promises or whatever. Paul is weak. He stutters. He's like unsure of himself sometimes he's compared to Hermes, he's possibly the short fat <laughs> possibly short and fat and mm-hmm. uh all these other things and maybe not blind. impressive looking uh kind of homeless because mm-hmm. he's just this traveling to staying with on people's couches like mm-hmm. tent maker tent maker that's that's who he is so he fights them tooth and nail both letters out of love for sure but fights them on like stop showing each other up Stop saving all your best food for your rich friends and not the poor brothers and sisters in the church. Stop doing all this other stuff because God is going to work more powerfully through your weakness than through your strength. Yeah, and that's how 2 Corinthians basically ends yeah. with his testimony. Yeah, it ends with his testimony and the thorn in the flesh. Yep. And he said, he asked God to take it away. Doesn't this sound like mm-hmm. little James? He asked God to take it away, and God has not. And we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's his stutter. We don't know if it's his like degenerative eye thing, yeah, a like cataract, coma, or or a, or a cataract. Because you can tell he's use, dictating this out loud to a scribe who's writing it down. Because at the end of this, and maybe Romans and some other letters, it's like now I'm writing this in my own words. Thank this guy for writing it down for me. Yeah. So it's like. It's in the letter that well, he's doing. He that. says in one of the letters he says, "See how I write with such big letters yeah. in my own hand." You know, yeah. like, so it's yeah. So both of those things could be either of those could be he's been beaten up a hundred yeah, times, arthritis, broken back bones. issues. Mm-hmm. He's been chained to walls for months at a time. Like could be a hundred things. Shipwrecked twice. Yeah, he has this whole <laughs> testimony about how many times he's been hurt for <laughs> Jesus, and uh, and he comes out of all this and he says, "God told me." In your weakness, my power is made perfect. Yep. So, like, is this in line with God's heart? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a funny way to say that. But no, and, and I felt that in that passage. Heaven, yeah. I think Sorry. it was just so hard to um, see a conversation about it that was succinct. Yes, that felt so succinct. It just felt like Jesus yeah. is basically like, hey, hold on a little longer. I need your pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I need your weakness. It seemed a little used, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, 
I see that as a trend that's been true in like like what's the word where it's just like your own experience true? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, your perspective or your uh anecdotally true. Yeah. There we go. Yep. I've that's something I've noticed is anecdotally true and sometimes true in scripture, where it seems like believers of whatever stripe receive the biggest, wildest, craziest blessings at their lowest level of faith, which is usually at the beginning. Yeah. And the more the more committed they are, the more mature they are in their faith, the less grandiose usually their prayers get answered. That feels bad to say out loud, but think about Paul at the beginning. This blinding, crazy, like, yeah. like show from Jesus showing up in this insane way. But by the end, he's just murmuring to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, like, Jesus is not busting down a wall like the Kool-Aid man coming in to talk to him. No. He's just, like, praying. But he has this confidence that uh, that is reassured, a reassurance even if it's not in a blinding light. Yeah. And that's what I think Jesus is trying to call out of James to grow his own faith. But I do agree that the way they, they scripted the conversation sounds like, I want you to be in pain so I can use it as a good story, which sounds icky. But I think, like, Jesus knows what he's doing, and I think that it's... If you were to ask Jesus after that scene, Mm -hmm. is this so that you'll look cool, or is this so that his faith will grow? I think it would be the other way around. Oh, 100%. And I I don't think I struggle with the concept. It was just the way, like, there's just so few times in this series that I've ever felt a little bit of like tension. Yeah. Like I almost always leave going with like yourself theologically. Theologically yeah, yeah. with who I feel like they are depicting Jesus in. And his words are yeah. so incredibly chosen. Yeah. Uh <clears throat> in the in the uh series. And I don't even I I need to go back and rewatch it. Because it was yeah. just in the moment. I just had a couple it things. It did feel from, weird. It felt like thin ice. It, Not like we're about to pounce on the chosen and cancel them or anything. Mm-hmm. Love him. But it, yeah, it did feel I like would have been more that was a solid answer to a thing that it doesn't seem like in the Gospels gets a solid answer, which which is the weird part. Mm-hmm. It feels like like if they were doing a scene where Jesus was like, don't tell anybody about me, the Messianic secret and Mark. Yeah. Don't tell anybody about me. And then they were like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, just do it. Just go tell people. Just go tell it them. feels like almost like, uh, did you not read the words that you're just <laughs> quoting? Well, I just would have been about, more comfortable if you'd yeah. have been like, uh, you know, little James, I just need you to trust me. As you're yeah. healing, I need you to know that you're going to be healed someday. And just trust, have the faith. Like, I yeah. almost like just a simpler, like non, yeah. you know what I mean? Like More just, mystery answer. Yes, rather than trying to nail it to the floor. But overall, this episode was awesome. So it good. ended so, I'm so excited to see how the next, I think, all right, two things just keep surprising me about this. Yeah. This thing is funnier than yeah. I think it's going to be. It's yeah. all, I always laugh. I find it I find it like very like witty and yeah. the way they pull humor in and make these characters real. It doesn't feel weird or fake no. when they use humor. And then I also am just I'm incredibly impressed with how much they make you lean in. Yeah. Like there's so many parts in the movie where you're like, "Wait, I didn't think about that." Yeah, like I did, or this year's you're like I didn't I didn't think of it. I have that. two Bible degrees, and I was like, "Wait, why wasn't Matthew the?" D- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" I immediately first am time like leaning in, like, "What is this?" So, hey, I hope you're <laughs> continuing this journey with us. If you stuck on for this long and you listened to this whole ramble of a yeah. conversation, I, I'm so proud of you. Gold, Gold star. star, Gold Star.
Double yeah. gold star. 30 Double. gold stars, you <laughs> Judas. Sorry. You wonderful mother that you are of me. I love you, Mom. Um, if you loved it, you want to share it with others, you can maybe start the track. You know, you can jump back to season one yeah. and catch up, or you can get ahead of us and wait for the next uh, episodes to come out. I think all of, all of them come out. We're going we're gonna to be trying to push these out as fast as we can over the next coming weeks. Yep. Um, and we're enjoying them, and I know you probably are too. You can leave uh, a comment or leave a review on the podcast for Apple or uh, yeah. Any of the others? Yeah. So, yeah, any, th- any final thoughts? You good? Okay. Thank well, you. gosh, I hope you guys will check out The Chosen if you haven't and uh, leave a comment of maybe something we missed from this episode yeah. or a thought you have from the things that we said. And uh, if nothing else, have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see you later. See ya.